0: Harry Anderson, I'm one of the deacons here at the church, and today I have the privilege of reading the scripture for today. Um, scripture comes to us from Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 35, so if you wouldn't mind standing for the reading of the word. The title of today's reading is called The Cost of Discipleship. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you deserving to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace.
1: Good morning. Good morning. Good to be with you. Well, um, as uh, it's already been mentioned, we have come to the end of our discipleship series, and uh, hopefully you have benefited from it as much as I have. Um, again, the reason that we've done this is because our mission statement says this, is that Point Baptist Church exists to make disciples of all nations for the good of all people and for the glory of God. That's what our purpose is here as this local church. And so we want to do that. So as Dr. David said, discipleship does not end here. It only begins here. And so uh, we've been challenging our people to uh, get into discipleship relationships, meet, start meeting with one another. So I hope you've been praying about that, considering that, uh, who, who you would begin meeting with to, to begin that process of helping one another follow and obey Jesus. And so in light of that, I, I want to, uh, to, to give you a gift on behalf of Crosspoint Baptist Church, every person, um, uh, every adult, let me just say that, children, preschool, youth, you don't get one of these, uh, not to add to your reading list. And so, but we want to give every person a copy of this discipling book by Mark Dever. Uh, they're on the back table, so if you're an adult, please make sure to grab one on your way out. Uh, if you're not a member of Crosspoint, if you're a visitor here this morning, go ahead and grab one. Uh, it's our gift to, to say to you, thank you for being here, thank you for coming to worship uh, here at Cross Point Baptist Church this morning. But here's the stipulation, so I don't just give out prizes like Oprah does. You get one, and you get one, and you get one without a stipulation. is that if you grab this copy of this book, you cannot read it alone. You cannot read it alone. You have to read it in relationship with someone else. That is not your spouse. You must read it in a discipleship relationship with someone else. And so, to help you with that, there's a, uh, there's a, uh, a nifty little bookmark in here. And if you don't even know how that's supposed to happen, you don't know what that meeting's supposed to look like, there's, there's four points here to help you and guide you in those meetings together as you read through this. So one stipulation is what? what? What do you have to do if you grab one of these? Read it with someone else. You cannot read it alone. And so, but that is our little gift to you on the back table. Make sure you grab one on your way out. And hopefully that helps you uh, as you continue this process of making disciples of all nations for the good of all people and for the glory of God. Well, as Mr. Harry read, we'll be looking at our last series, our last sermon in this series on discipleship, the cost of discipleship. What's it cost to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? And so this morning, we're going to consider that question. And I want to begin uh, by saying this, uh, telling you a little story. Let me say this. This morning, if you don't get anything out of this morning's sermon, which I pray that you do, is that I want everybody to realize in here is this. We, hopefully I haven't made discipleship following Jesus sound like a gimmick, sound like a sales pitch to you, sound really easy. Because what we're going to look at today is that it is not. It's not a sales pitch, is not a gimmick, it's not a program, it's not a church growth strategy. What Jesus asked of us here in, the, in this text is very, very high and demanding. The main point of this sermon is this is that Jesus has high demands of his disciples. And I hope that we all walk away with that. This is not a gimmick. This is not a church program. I'm not trying to sell this to you. You know, hey, this is how we're going to start off the year, it's going to be, and next year we're going to be on a different emphasis. Guess what? Lord willing, if we're here in 2022, guess what our guess what our emphasis is going to be in 2022? We're going to make disciples of all nations for the good of all people and for the glory of God. You know what we're going to do in 2023? We're going to make disciples of all nations for the good of all people and for the glory of God. This is not a gimmick. And so, but we must realize that the cost and the demand of discipleship is very, very high. Let me tell you a story. Uh, when I was in fifth grade, our family went to Disney World. And uh, me and my mom are standing in the line for the Rock and Roller Coaster. I don't know if any of you know this roller coaster, Rock and Roller Coaster. And so I think my mom thought it was a tribute or a museum to Aerosmith. And, uh, and so she was happily in line, you know, with everybody else. And, you know, a good sum would have said, Mom, do you realize that everyone is not standing in this line for a museum? Mom, do you realize that this ride goes 0 to 60 in 2.8 seconds? Mom, do you realize that this ride has two loops and a corkscrew? Mom, do you realize what you're getting into? Mom, just so you know, before we stand in line for two hours to get on this ride, do you realize what you're asking for when you get on this? A good someone would have said that. I was not that on that day. I was not that on that day. And so, I let her learn on her own. And she is still with us today. But you know, what's funny is when we ask these questions of people, we're making sure that they are aware of what's ahead of them, right? We're trying to prepare them for what what is about to be entailed in this process or in this journey. And Jesus takes a similar approach with his disciples and the crowds that follow him in his ministry. Because here in Luke 14, 25 through 35, is that Jesus isn't trying to start a new fad. He's not trying to start a new trend. He's not working to get decisions. He's working to make disciples, He's not looking for decisions, he's looking to make disciples. And so he wants the crowds that are following him to to be completely aware. That's why he turns to them in verse 25. He sees the crowds following behind him, and he turns and he says, are you ready for what's about to take place? He doesn't want people to be unaware of what is going to be asked of them in this journey of faith, of being the disciple of Jesus Christ. And so, It must be true of us this morning. If we want to be discipled and make disciples, that's been our emphasis the whole month of January, be discipled and make disciples, then we must begin by understanding the heavy demands that Jesus requires of us. We must begin there. We must understand the heavy price one must pay to be a disciple of Jesus. And so this morning, I want us to consider this. What is it going to cost us to follow Jesus? And I want want you to begin pondering these three questions as we work through this text this morning. I want you to ponder these three questions and you may may want to even write them down. Is The first question is this. What will it require of me to follow Jesus? What will it require of me to follow Jesus? Second question is this. What will it cost? What will it cost? And the third question is this is it worth it let's consider these first point is this discipleship requires absolute commitment absolute commitment discipleship requires prioritizing jesus over everything in our lives consider a hypothetical scenario with me for a second i've used this illustration before when talking about the book of kings but uh, let's consider a, a hypothetical situation where, uh, you know, a, a newly married couple, they, they, they buy their first house, and so they're bringing in all their stuff into their new house, you know, the couches and everything. They're getting all the feng shui, you know, uh, nicely suited, and they begin hanging stuff on their walls, and the husband begins hanging up pictures of his ex-girlfriend all over the walls. And, ho, uh, oh, just FYI, premarital counseling. Don't do that, or you will end up on a milk carton. men. Amen. So he begins hanging up pictures of his ex-girlfriend all over the walls. And the newlywed wife is like, what are you doing? Why are you putting up pictures of all your ex-girlfriends all over the walls? And he says, well, you know, just in case it doesn't work out between us. Just in case it don't work out, right? What's wrong with me committing to them and to you? Well, what, can, can, can I share? Isn't there enough of me to go around? Can I, can I be devoted to you and to them? you will be missing in the next couple weeks if you say that to your wife. Because in marriage, you are called to absolute commitment to one person, right? In the marriage union, you are disavowing yourself of other previous relationships and commitments and devoting yourself to one person, right? Committing yourself absolutely to them. And so just as your spouse will not allow you to have partial devotion, Jesus will not allow you to have partial devotion to him. Jesus will not share rank and priority with anything else. He will not allow you to hold him up on the side as a side commitment. He must be prioritized above everything else in your life. And that is what Jesus is asking of us in verse 26. And I hope that that what I've just said kind of gives us a framework for what Jesus has said in verse 26. Because I know when when Mr. Harry read it, many of yous uh, your red flags probably went up and said, whoa, 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 whoa! wait a minute. Did Jesus just tell us to hate somebody? Did Jesus just tell us to hate somebody? And not only that, he told me to hate my mama. Jesus, what you got against my mama? How, how, how are you telling us to hate somebody, Jesus? This is, I, I thought Jesus wanted us to love everybody. What, what is he saying? Or maybe you're on the other side of this. Maybe you're thinking, I have no problem hating those people. Comes pretty natural, <laughs> right? Well, both of those applications are wrong of what Jesus is saying. Just to make that clear. Because Jesus is not requiring us to to not love them. He's not calling us to hate them as we think about hate. It, It pertains to prioritization of relationships and commitments. Is that when Jesus says to hate all these different biological ties, family members, he's saying is that you prioritize me above everything else. Every other commitment, every other relationship is that your relationship is commitment. And commitment to me supersedes every other commitment that you have in this world everyone. Devotion to Christ supersedes devotion to family. Your closest knit relationships, take a back seat when it comes to your relationship with Jesus. Take a back seat. Listen to how Matthew's account says in Matthew chapter 10 verse 37. This will give you some clarity on this. He says, whoever loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So Jesus is saying, every other relationship in this world must take a back seat, second place when it comes to your relationship and your commitment to Jesus. And right now, that may not sound like a lot to you. That may not sound very heavy, of what Jesus is asking for you. But think about this. In Jesus' own day, and even in some Middle Eastern cultures today, that is asking a lot of somebody who wants to follow Jesus. That is asking a lot. That is a heavy ask. You think about in these honor-shame cultures that we have around the world, is that every decision affects a person's family. One decision can have huge ramifications, not just for that individual, but for their whole family and their legacy and their reputation. And so to follow Jesus may result in that person, maybe in that family, being ostracized, being shunned being persecuted, and maybe even killed just to follow Jesus. So it may not feel heavy to you, but this is heavy around the world. And so what Jesus is saying is that following me means prioritizing me above every other relationship, even when it may put you at odds with your own biological ties. Jesus says it again in Matthew chapter 10 brother will deliver brother over to death and father his child and children will rise up against parents and have them put to death and you will be hated by all for my name's sake you see that that this jesus he brings division even in even own families families who don't want you to follow jesus and he's saying i must take first place in this and so jesus is asking for absolute commitment And devotion to Him, even when it may put you at odds with relationships and commitments in this life. And so He will not be an accessory to your life, as you can see, when He's asking you to hate every other relationship and commitment that you have. He won't be an accessory. He won't be an add-on. He will not allow you to make Him an attachment to your life. He must be the center and priority of your life. And so this morning, crossbow, let me ask you this. Is Jesus operating like a placeholder for you right now? Is that all that he is right now to you? Just a placeholder. When it's convenient, then that's great. I'll take on some Jesus. But when it's inconvenient, you know what? He can be discarded. If I can fit Jesus in my life, great. If not, no big deal that relationship is negotiable. If that is how you're operating right now as a disciple of Jesus Christ, that's not true discipleship. That's not truly following Jesus Christ because He's asking absolute commitment from you. Following Jesus will require us to put every relationship and commitment underneath Him. It means requiring us to prioritize Jesus and our lives around Jesus and not the other way around. Well, Jesus can fit in here and there, and he can mold and he can adapt. No, Jesus is asking us of our lives that our lives mold and adapt around him, not him the other way around. That's not how it works with Jesus. So everything in our life is to be prioritized, adapted, adjusted, oriented around Jesus Christ, around him. And so are you operating right now as though Jesus is an accessory? to your life no better than a purse with your outfit is he an attachment to what is already going on in your life maybe he's kind of no more than a hobby no more than an occupation to you no more than a vacation he's similar to baseball to gymnastics to band to school to work is that all that he is to you because if so then Jesus is not your lord and you are not his disciple let me just ask this, is that if there's something in your life, a commitment or a devotion that you have to something where you are struggling to say, I just can't give that up. I, I can't imagine operating without that thing in my life. I, I can't do without that. That, 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 is, that is essential to who I am and what I want to do and what I'm committed to in this life. I, I have to have that. If that is your sense, if that's something that's stirring inside you right now, then we may have unearthed an idol in your life. And Jesus will not share his place with idols there's something that seems non-negotiable and integral to your life that you cannot give up for Jesus then that will be an idol and that is an idol and he will not serve alongside idols you will not be able to put him up as a trophy on your bookshelf of idols that is not how he operates so the disciple is called to prioritize everything every relationship commitment around Jesus Christ and this is this is a heavy ask because when we give over our absolute commitment and devotion to Jesus, what this may require of us next is it may require sacrifice and suffering on our part. This is point number two. Discipleship requires suffering and sacrifice. Discipleship requires sacrifice and suffering for the sake of Jesus. You notice how a car salesman always highlights the positives of a car and never the negatives when they're trying to sell you something on the lot? you know, they're always like, man, this color's beautiful, all the gas mileage is great, man, it's got a it's got this year warranty, oh man, everybody's driving these around, you know, you're not going to find a better car. They never come out and tell you, you like, man, that thing leaks oil every, like, almost every single day. Yeah, the paint fades all that in a year. Yeah, most people have returned those cars after a couple days because they're that terrible. Man, this is the most uncomfortable car I've ever driven in. I mean, you never hear car salesmen say that because what do they want to do? They want to make the what? They won't make the sale. They're not going to tell you the negatives of a car. They're going to tell you all the positives and great things. And they're going to to skirt the negatives, right? Because they want to make the sale. They want want to get the client. Well, if that's the case, Jesus is the worst car salesman on the face of the planet. Right? Because you know what he does? (laughs) Look Look what he talks about. Bearing your cross bearing your cross. He he puts it all on the table for us. Even the unattractive stuff like suffering and sacrifice. And we've already heard Jesus say these things already in Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter 9, if you remember those. And he said, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Right? What Jesus is asking of us is sacrifice. That means daily, daily crucifying ourselves. Daily dying to ourselves. Abandoning our selfish desires, our motives, our pursuits, our passions, things like that. In order to take on Jesus and His mission. It's a dying to self. This is what Paul means in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. I have been what? Crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. Right? But Christ who lives in me. Dying to self. Dying to self. And not only that, is that Jesus also requires not just a sacrifice of our own selves, but he's also wanting to say, if you want to follow me, it's not only going to cost you absolute commitment, it's going to cost you, you have to have a willingness to suffer for my name's sake. He wants to make clear that discipleship with him, following him, is not going to be pain-free. There's going to be turmoil. There's going to be heartbreak and heartache when it comes. Following Jesus doesn't protect you from pain and suffering and sacrifice. It actually, hear me really clearly on this cross, one, Following Jesus does not protect you from pain and suffering. It actually might grant you more pain and suffering. Following Jesus will not protect you from pain and suffering and sacrifice. It actually may require more of it for you. What the Bible says. Because if you consider everything that the Bible says about suffering, blessed are are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Matthew 5.10, 2 Timothy 3.12. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Listen to this, Acts 14.22. If you haven't read this chapter, I almost said it was a great chapter, but it is a great chapter of the Bible. But this is what happens to Paul. He gets stoned in Lystra. Left for, they think he's dead. They think they've done their job and killed him. And so he goes off to another town, and then guess what he does a couple days later? He goes back to Lystra. Back to Lystra. And you know what he says to them? He says, strengthening, he went back, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Why would the Bible speak so much about suffering if it didn't have to do anything with our discipleship? Well, it wouldn't speak about suffering, but because it does, it means that there is an element of suffering and sacrifice that must be a part of following Jesus that we cannot get out of. And so if you decide to follow Jesus, then we must be ready. We must be ready to suffer and to sacrifice. I've told you about my relationship that I had. When I when we lived in North Carolina, uh, I, I served on staff at a church there with the internationals. There was a huge international ministry there uh, with a bunch of Duke students and UNC students that would come to the church. And uh, I, a lot of these students were international students from China and places like that. So I got into a relationship with a guy named... Um, We'll call his name Brad. I won't say his name. Um, but I, I, I get to working with him. When we, get, we talk about the gospel. We talk about the Bible. And I remember sitting in a burger, burger uh, joint with him. And I said, man, we've had all these discussions about Jesus. Where are, where are you at? What is keep, I, I said, what is keeping you from following Jesus? He said, do you know what it cost me? Do you know what it cost me, Wes, to, to follow this Jesus? My family would disown me. Uh, My my, my country would disown me. I I would have no reputation. I'd have no job. I'd have to give up this opportunity to to study. It's not worth it. It's not worth it to go through that, that pain and that sacrifice and that suffering. And you know what Jesus would say to him? You cannot be my disciple. You cannot be my disciple. And so this morning, if you're attempting to avoid hardship, if you're attempting to avoid sacrifice, if you're attempting to evade pain and suffering, then Jesus is not for you. Jesus is not for you. Because he says this is what it means to be a part of his disciples. Diedrich Bonhoeffer in The Cost of of, uh, Discipleship, he wrote a book on that. He says it like this suffering is the badge of true discipleship suffering is the badge of true discipleship but here is the glorious aspect about sacrifice and suffering what we get from the gospel is this here's what's glorious is that we have a great example in our savior jesus christ who was willing to suffer and sacrifice all things for the glory of the father into redeem sinful humanity. We have a great example in a person, in a savior, who is willing to lay down his life for his sheep. You know these statements in the garden when he's there crying blood? He says, Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. Right? But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He, Jesus, is willing to sacrifice and suffer, right? And not only that, is that we learn from the Bible that our suffering and our sacrifice is not in vain. It's not a hopeless endeavor. Is that God is actually sovereignly and orchestrating our suffering and our pain and our sacrifice to transform us into the image of Jesus Christ, to sanctify us and to prepare us for eternal weight of glory. This is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4. Says, for this light, momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Our suffering and sacrifice is not in vain, Crosspoint. It is doing something, is an intentional and purposeful act on God. And not only that, not only that cross point, not only is Jesus our great example of suffering and sacrifice, not only is God using it to sanctify us and to make us into the image of Jesus Christ, but guess what? Every ounce of suffering and sacrifice that we endure in this life will be worth everything if we get Jesus. It will be worth everything every single drop of blood, every single tear cried, every pain, every turmoil that we go through, it will be worth it because Jesus is what we get. Romans 8.18, For I consider the sufferings of this present life, they're not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And so, I know these books are on bookshelves all over the world. I hate that. But if you want your best life now, if you want a cushy and comfortable life, Jesus is not for you. Jesus is not for you. So following Jesus, it's hard. and It requires costly sacrifice and suffering on our part. And so that's why Jesus doesn't want us to jump into it flippantly. He wants us to carefully consider the cost of following Him. This is point number three. Discipleship requires careful consideration. So He tells us we must be absolutely committed to Him, above even familiar relationships. We must be prepared to suffer and bear our cross. And with all these demands that He puts on us, He says, I want you to carefully consider before jumping into it too flippantly. Discipleship requires careful consideration from our part rather than impulsive and hollow acceptance of Jesus. Has anybody ever made an impulsive purchase before? Any women in here? <clears throat> Just kidding. I will say I've made an impulsive purchase. You know, it looks good. You got good intent behind it. Like, yeah, I'll buy it. You know, right? You didn't realize that the item that you purchased actually requires more from you. All right. You know, buying a gym membership is really easy. Have I told y'all that? Buying a gym membership is so easy. Getting to the gym is very, very difficult. You know, buying a dog is really easy. Picking up poop is very, very difficult. It's very, very difficult. Very difficult. And so, (laughs) all these things, when we think about it, you know, purchasing a pet, You have to feed them, wash them, walk them, pick up its poop, take them out to use the bathroom. The purchase is easy, but the maintenance is tough. It's like a car, right? The upfront price may be easy. It may be easy just to slap the money down and say, give it to me. But it's everything that's required of you after that, that you don't really consider in the moment. Right? To say, is it worth it, me putting my money down on this right now? Right? And Jesus asked a very similar thing of his disciples when he asked them to carefully consider whether they're gonna follow him. So don't 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 be rash in your decision. Consider what it's gonna cost you and then make your decision. Consider what the ramifications are and then make your decision. Make a careful consideration of what it will cost you to follow Jesus. That's what it'll do. And so Jesus isn't searching for impulsive buyers of a product that he's selling. He doesn't want people jumping on board blindly and saying, I'll do it careless of what it's going to cost them. He wants them to run the numbers. He wants them to do the cost-benefit analysis on this thing. He wants them to evaluate. He wants them to reflect on, is it worth it? Because I don't think in the new heavens and new earth there's going to be anybody there saying, I was the first one who raised my hand at Jesus' invitation. I was the first one. I didn't even have to consider it twice. Didn't even think about it. Didn't even care. I I just went. It didn't didn't even matter. I didn't even care what he was going to ask of me. I just went ahead and went. Didn't have a second question. Didn't raise an eyebrow. no, No matter. I just went. Careless. That may sound holy, but that's actually not. That may sound spiritual, but it's actually not. It's not what Jesus actually calls us to and that's why he gives us these two parables about a man building a tower and about a king. He says, look, it's, I don't want you to jump into this flippantly. I want you to consider what it's going to cost you and then make your decision. Right? This is why Jesus gives these two parables. So you've got a man building a tower you've got a king going out to war. Says, the man building the tower needs a, to needs sit down and, and consider the cost unless he gets into the project and he, he gets unfinished. Anybody got any unfinished house projects at their house right now? <laughs> right. Embarrassing, right? You've been working on this bathroom for 2 years and still not usable. Right. Is that he wants us to consider this and then also a king who goes out to war. Consider how how, how much resources you have. What your troops look like. Look what the other guy has. Consider those things. And what's interesting is that in both of these parables, the word sit down is in both of these. Hey, they need to sit down. They need to sit down. Because what? Sitting down communicates something. It communicates contemplation. It communicates careful thoughtfulness, right? Sit down and consider what it's going to cost you. It's a sim- symbol for thoughtful contemplation. And so Jesus wants us to carefully consider the cost of what it's going to. We're just going to cost you to follow Jesus Christ. He, he's not asking us for a blind faith to jump into the unknown. He's saying, consider what's going to cost you and then make your decision. Because true disciples aren't flip flops when they get to the hard stuff, they've carefully considered the cost. That's why Jesus in, in Luke chapter 9 no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit into the kingdom of God. Carefully consider what it's going to cost you before you make the decision. Don't jump in flippantly. Because here's the danger of it, is that if you get into these processes, the the task will go unfinished. Right? The task will go unfinished. An impulsive decision will just just basically result in a guy building a tower, not able to finish it, and then everybody else is mocking him by, by looking at him, right? Or a guy going into war, a king going into war, and he doesn't consider the cost. And guess what? There's a huge number of casualties. Lack of consideration will lead to an unfinished product and dreadful results. And so carefully consider, carefully consider what Jesus is asking of you. And so I think this, here's a piece of application for us, Crosspoint. Is that I, I, I want us to kind of think through this. Because I think larger Christianity culture has presented Christianity, Following Jesus as this kind of mindless sort of endeavor. It, it, it's illogical. It's incoherent. It doesn't make sense. It, 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 it's just a jump into the unknown. That's not what Christianity is. Is that God even says in His words that we're to love Him with what? All of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? And strength. Loving God with our mind. It's not a jump into the great unknown. God is knowable and he has made himself known in his word and through his son Jesus Christ. We can know this God. Christianity is coherent. It is logical. It is reasonable faith. And so it's not a blind jump into the great unknown. Because that kind of jump, this careless lack of consideration to follow Jesus, that will only result in failure. That's why Jesus tells the parables of the sower and the seeds. You have the seed that was thrown onto the ground, onto the rocky soil. And guess what? It it sprouts up and there's a lot of joy. There's a lot of excitement there, right? But guess what? When hard times come in, it shrivels and dies. That true discipleship means knowing, carefully considering what Jesus is calling us to Careful consideration. Don't jump into this hastily. And if you decide that the cost is worth it after you've carefully considered what Jesus is saying, then realize that everything that He is asking of us is a full renouncement of who we are, what we have, what we do. Everything for the sake of Jesus. This is point number four. Discipleship requires renouncement. Discipleship requires an abandonment of all else in order to fully identify with Jesus. You know, many of you may be aware of abdication. If not, it's basically the renouncing of of an office or a power um, before the end of a term which was assumed. Um, It's giving over one's power and authority. Um, You know, the one that we're most familiar with is, anybody know? Edward, right? Edward. Edward the 8th, is that right? right on the number? Edward the 8th remember ab, ab, abdicated the throne. Um number of things that were uh, revolved around there but he basically gave up everything that he had. He was the king and he said, you know, I, I just don't want this anymore. You, you can I, I don't want the power, I don't want the authority, I don't want the regime, I don't want the 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 the, the, the possessions any of that. I, I, I'll just I'll abdicate that. I'll renounce that. And that's what he did. He abdicated everything. He gave up everything, and his life was never the same after that. Never the same. And what's interesting is that such is the requirement for Jesus' disciples. Abdication of everything in order to follow Jesus Christ and to fully identify with him. That Jesus is calling us to do two things. To abandon and to identify. To abandon and to identify is that he's calling us to renounce everything and abandon everything in order to identify with his way of life, in order to identify with his mission, in order to identify with his values, in order to identify with his loves, his pursuits, his passions, his mission, and his suffering. To fully identify with Jesus, we must renounce and abandon everything else. And this is why the parable right before this section is given to us. If you put your eyes on it, this parable of the great banquet if you know the story this guy uh creates this huge feast and he sends out rsvps and invitations to people and invites all these people to come and enjoy this huge feast and so the day of the feast has arrived and so he sends out a servant to call these people and what do they do they say i can't come ah man i you know i just they make the word is they make excuses you know, once that I just bought some land, I got to tend to that. Oh, I just bought some of this, I tend to that. Oh, I just got married, I got, I got, I just got married. And so, I was going to say tend to that, <laughs> like cattle. Uh, <laughs> but, um, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, God says, I, I just got married, so I got, I got to, I got to be there. And so, they all make excuses why they can't come to the feast, why they can't be there. And you know what Jesus says at the end of it? He says, None of these will be able to taste this banquet. Basically, what he's saying is this, none of these will be able to be my disciple. That's what the equivalent is. And that's why Luke gives the story of the banquet, is because all these people find excuses to not renounce and to not give up what they're involved in and what's going on in their life. And Jesus says, is that if you don't, if you don't meet up this criteria of basically giving up all your commitments absolutely committing to Jesus Christ, if you are not ready to suffer and to sacrifice for Jesus Christ, if you are not ready to consider the cost to follow Jesus Christ, and if you are not ready to renounce everything and leave everything behind, then you cannot be my disciple. Just like these people in the great banquet. Because they cannot renounce everything, they cannot be a disciple of Jesus. And the everything is this, it's two things, possessions and way of life. That's what, that's what these people are, are involved in. Their possessions are their way of life. Is that possessions have a strong hold on us, right? Right? They have a strong hold on us. I have a, uh, the guy who discipled me and mentored me, he always used to say, you'll never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. You'll never see a U-Haul behind a hearse because you can't take it with you. You can't take it with you. Stuff has a way of distracting us and holding us and hindering us back from following Jesus. Daryl Bonk says it really well: a disciple's attachments are potentially the most destructive thing for discipleship. A disciple's attachments, and this is why Jesus says, "Abandon all these things. Get rid of them. Whatever is holding you back, your stuff. If it's holding you back, get rid of it. Renounce it. Because here's what we're going to learn." in the course of the whole Bible, is that anything that you give up will not be better than Jesus Christ and what you gain. And this is what Paul's comment was, right? In Philippians chapter 3, you're all, all familiar with those verses. I count everything as what? Rubbish. When I compare it to Jesus. Everything is rubbish. I suffer the loss of all things. and I count them as rubbish when it comes to knowing Jesus Christ. And so, a disciple must be ready to renounce and abandon all their possessions, everything that holds dearly a grip on their heart. And not only that, not only possessions, but even their way of life. It's not only a call to abandon your possessions, but a call to abandon your way of life wholly to follow Jesus. Partial abandonment and identification will not do for Jesus. I mean, we, we have these great examples in the Gospels of when Jesus calls his first disciples. Anybody remember what the first disciples were doing when he called them? Right? When Jesus says, follow me, what do they do? They drop their nets, and they go with Jesus. Dropping their nets is a huge thing. Leaving their dad in the boat is a huge thing. That's saying, I'm leaving and renouncing and abandoning the way of life that I've always lived being a fisherman, with my Father, to follow this person, Jesus Christ. It's abandoning a way of life in order to follow Him. And Jesus says, this is the only way. This is the only way. So, church, cross point, realize everything in your life right now, when it comes to following Jesus Christ, nothing is off the table to Him. Nothing is off the table to Him. You can't hoard a secret. You can't maintain a secret lifestyle. You can't sustain a former way of life. You can't keep something going on the side just in case. That's not renouncement. That's not complete abandonment for the sake of knowing Jesus. And let me give you a good evaluating tool to see if there is something that is holding you down in your heart that you're just willing not to let go. Maybe it's a security thing, whatever it may be. Let me ask you a couple of these. Let me see if We're ready to renounce everything for the sake of Jesus. How would you feel if your bank account was drained, your 401k depleted, and your stocks plummeted? How would you feel if your home burned down and your car was stolen? How would you respond if every liberty in this nation was taken away from you? Your free speech, your guns, your right to vote, every constitutional right, how would you react if your neighbors, your family, your friends all disown and despise you and actually sought to kill you? Would Jesus still be enough for you? Would Jesus still be enough for you? Would Jesus still be enough for you? This morning, that's what I want us to consider. The discipleship is a very heavy task and it will cost you everything because Jesus is asking us to renounce everything, to follow him, and we get everything when we do follow Jesus. I want to call the band back on stage as they lead us in our last song, but I, I, want, I want to do something real, real quick for you is that this morning, as you've heard what Jesus has said in Luke chapter 14, verses 25-35, through as you've heard me kind of say everything that Jesus is asking of us, the high demands that Christ has on our lives, if we are really going to follow Jesus Christ, I want to give you good news. Because this morning you may say, man, Wes, my head is throbbing with what you've said and what I've heard Jesus say. It sounds really difficult. It sounds insurmountable. It sounds impossible. And it almost sounds just not worth it. Here's the good news. It is difficult. But Jesus gives you everything that you need. It is impossible. It is insurmountable. But that is exactly why Jesus has come. And lived and died and rose again to make it possible for sinners to be reconciled to a holy God. And it is completely worth it if we gain Jesus Christ. This morning, church, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is, this, is that we, we have sinned and rebelled against a holy creator, and because of that we deserve punishment. But Jesus Being fully God, fully man, has come. And He has done the impossible. He has redeemed and reconciled sinful humanity back to their holy and righteous God through His own life, death, and resurrection. And those who come to faith and trust in Jesus Christ, turn away from their former way of life, can be His disciples. And this morning, that everything that you may lose in this life, you gain by knowing Jesus Christ. You gain by knowing Him. Yes, we lose this world, but we gain everything in Christ Jesus. And that is worth losing everything if we gain Him. This morning, if you want to hear more about Jesus Christ and what He has done and the the radical call that He puts on our lives, this morning, I I would love to talk with you. Jim would love to talk with you. David would love to talk with you. Because knowing Jesus Christ and following Jesus Christ is the most important thing Thing in your life, the most important thing right now in this moment. Let us pray. God, the good news of the gospel is this everything that we've just talked about in Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 35, seem heavy and weighty and insurmountable, impossible. But that is the good news of the gospel is that we on our own cannot achieve these things and do these things on our own. But God, you have done it all for us, in your Son, Jesus Christ, and by the work of your Spirit working in us. Is that if we are disciples of Jesus Christ, yes, the task is hard, yes, the journey is difficult, but we have Christ, and we have everything that we need. This morning, if there are, God, I pray that you would begin to work on our hearts, God, even Wes McKay's. God, that as disciples of Jesus Christ, that you would begin stirring in us a love for the gospel to make disciples of Jesus. God, that we would treasure Christ above every other commitment in this life. Because He is worth it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.